Today's episode of the Stallside Podcast was brought to you by Rudin Riddle Veterinary Pharmacy. It's 1.30 in the morning and you received a phone call from your farm manager. Your mare has to go to the hospital for dystocia. You get a second call saying she has to go to caesarean. On Stallside this week, I talked to Dr. Brett Woody, one of the surgeons at Rudin Riddle Equine Hospital, about what happens to your mare when she comes to the hospital for dystocia, and he walks us through caesarean. The value of this procedure and how it's done. Dr. Woody, welcome back to Stallside. Thank you, sir. Yep. So, Brett, quick quick tour of yourself. <laughs> well, I've uh, I've been here at Rudin Riddle about 20 years now. So, uh been doing soft tissue surgery here for quite some time. Yeah, that's uh that's quite an innings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most people will be on parole after that. <laughs> Yeah. So today we want to talk about um, in-house dystocia. So uh, just walk us through what happens. Client gets the call from the farm manager. Hey, your mare's had to go to the hospital. We can, we're having trouble following her on the farm. Everybody's best interest that she goes in. She hits the doors. What happens? Okay. Well, um, prior to fortunately, prior to her hitting the door, we've all been notified, and uh, we've got a team of people, as you well know, as being part of that team, uh, that's there to receive the mare. So we've got the surgery team, the medicine team, everybody's ready to ready to roll. Uh, so as soon as the mare walks through the walks through the door, uh, she's immediately sedated and uh, uh, started cleaning up our reproductive uh, external reproductive tract, and uh, then uh, confirmed that in fact. She is foaling before mm-hmm. we before we move forward. Uh, once all that's been confirmed, she's immediately walked into the uh, induction stall. A um, intravenous catheter is placed, and uh, she's induced under under general anesthesia. All of that happens in a matter of minutes. It's very fast, and yeah, it does happen very quickly. And I think that shocks people that come with the horse just how quickly she gets to the doors, she gets attended to and put in the room because that's time we can control. We can't control what's gone on before and the clock has been ticking. So once she gets to that door, that's when we do have control how long things take. So once she's in that induction stall, what happens? Well, once she's in the induction stall, she's uh, under general anesthesia. Uh, they're uh, they're on their side. They're uh, they're then hoisted and uh, front and front and hind legs. Um, we leave the hind legs on the hoist, and then we elevate the uh, the back half of the of the mare. That does a few things. One, it uh, moves all of the reproductive tract and the GI tract forward and uh, uh, gives us a uh, gives us a little bit more room uh, to work. Obviously, with the mare being under general anesthesia, she's not straining and pushing against us like she would be in a, in a standing awake, uh, awake situation. I think that's really frustrating for a lot of people. They think, I can get it, I can get it. Right. But unless you've actually felt a mare contract against you, uh-huh. you don't really realize how powerful it is. And for the life of me, I can't really understand how any mare manages to get that foal out of such a small passageway. Yeah. The pressures are immense. Uh, definitely, De- ab- absolutely. It's amazing at the amount of force that the the mare uh, has to utilize in order to get that foal uh, through the uh, through the birth canal. Yeah, and hoisting her and anesthetizing her while it looks sort of pretty dramatic. That is actually really protecting the mare because, right. as you say, it makes it much easier to manipulate things. Right. So once she is actually hoisted, everything's uh, giving you some room to move. What's your approach? My approach first thing I'm first thing I'm going to do is uh, take a feel and uh, and assess 
the uh, the position of that foal. What do what do I have? Do I have four limbs, hind limbs? Is there a head there? Uh, try to get an idea about the viability, which a lot of times can be really difficult uh, to tell if that foal is is alive or not because the foal's anesthetized as well. Um, and then once I've made an assessment of the position of that foal, now I view these. It's a puzzle. And I'm trying to get get the puzzle pieces put together properly so that we can safely deliver that uh, deliver that foal. So what do I need to do? Or is there a leg flex? Do I need to bring that up? Is the head, or, you know, do I have a head and neck that's flexed? Do we need to bring that up into proper position? And then uh, once I've made that assessment, start working toward getting uh, that foal in a proper position in order to be delivered. You know, they've got four legs, two front and two back. So what's your way of assessing whether you have a front or a back leg because that's really frustrating for people on the farm and that's a decision they need to make quickly yes because you do not want to feel a back leg yeah or you don't want to feel more than two, two legs, legs. <laughs> yeah. in there so for me the first thing i do is i'm going to go for the fetlock right up and make sure if i got a knee or a hock and uh, sometimes it can be confusing between a point of an elbow versus uh, versus a hock, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll I'll feel for the uh, feel for the carpus and uh, make sure that's what I've what in fact that I that I have and make sure I've got if I've got two legs are they both the same meaning do I have two front legs do I have two hind legs or do I have a front and a hind what what, what am I really dealing with? Yeah, because we've all been in that position where the the foal is presented and one front and one back has been pulled. Yes. Or only one front has yeah. been pulled. Or we've had one where they've been pulled and no one realized there was a hind leg coming as well. And now when we reach in there, we've got you know, four limbs and a, hind, and a hind foot all in the, in the, uh, in the pelvic canal. So the, those are all very, very critical uh, assessments we have to make very quickly. Because as you said, you know, we're on the clock. And because uh, we need to get that uh, get that foal uh, out as quickly and as safely as as possible. And if we're not able to do that in a controlled vaginal delivery, so in the in the in the uh, induction recovery stall, then we're going to need to proceed to cesarean section. Yeah, and I think people need to realize that the decision for a cesarean is actually made relatively quickly, but it's not made lightly. And no. there's various things that go into that, right? I right. mean, it is a surgery and it prolongs the period, but what are the advantages for going for that cesarean as opposed to vaginal delivery? Well, I think uh, I think a few things. You know, our ultimate goal is to get a, a live foal and a reproductively sound mare. So there are certain positions that that foal could be in that may preclude us from getting a live foal out or we may damage the mare severely in trying to do that so if we get forget the foal out but yet the mare's cervix is is damaged severely that may that may preclude her from being a reproductively sound mare uh going going forward or if we end up with a you know a uterine tear or is any number of things like that that could could happen it's just sort of the the potential hazards of uh of, of foaling uh but if we can if we can avoid those then then obviously you know, that's going to be ideal for you know for the mayor long term and i think that's a really important point to make um to owners is that the mayor is much better off having a controlled incision in her uterus yes than an uncontrolled tear of the cervix right. because the uterus heals up really well. That's right. The cervix, not so much. Right. And yeah, you know, we've all we've all seen seen mares that develop cervical uh, lacerations and defects uh, through just natural you know, normal foaling. Yeah, it happens. Uh, and yes, we can do surgery on those. But if we can avoid having to do that, then that's yeah, that's better better for her long term for sure.
So um, you've got this foal positioned well. You have two front legs, no back legs. The head is there. How do you go about uh, getting that foal out successfully? So what we're going to do, this, uh, we're now going to place some nylon straps uh, above, uh, above the fetlock on the foal and around the pastern. Um, and uh, we're going to instill uh, some lubricant to help, uh, help lubricate things because obviously the, the fetal fluids a lot of times have, uh, have dried by that point. So now things, you know, we don't have the, the lubrication. So we'll add, uh, add that. And this mare, remember, is still hoisted. So now we're going to lower her uh, down. And so now she's going to be flat on the uh, flat on the floor, and we're going to apply traction uh, to the foal in a very controlled uh, in controlled manner. Um, obviously, there's a certain level of strength that's required, but most of this, it's not all about the strength. It's about having that foal positioned properly and uh, and delivering uh, delivering that foal. Because I, I don't want to I don't want to apply too much traction and potentially injure the foal or Injure the mare. And the direction of that traction is not really a case that you want to pull straight back. Correct. Yeah, you want to try to follow more of a C-shape, sort of a natural curve, because that's how the that's how the folds normally are are born. Uh, so I, definitely, that's a that's a very important point that we're gonna uh, that we're gonna utilize. And if that if we're not making progress, then we have to decide. Okay, is there why why is that? Why isn't that foal being delivered? Is it literally a mismatch in size, meaning the fetal size is too large for the for the vaginal or for the birth canal, or are we dealing with with some other reason, is this foal contracted somewhere? Do we have a hind foot that's coming? You know, why? Why is this not uh, not progressing in a you know in a in a in an appropriate fashion? Yeah, one of the mantras you hear is that the mare will never have a foal that's too big for her. I'd like those people to come and see us in the yeah. uh, wee small hours of the morning for, in the spring because right. they very successfully can have foals which are too Absolutely. big for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so once that foal's been delivered, handed over to the medicine service, that's, that's right. where I come in. But yeah. what say that foal doesn't come out yeah. in an expedient fashion, then we're going to go to cesarean. That's correct. Talk, me about, uh, talk to me about the preparation of the mare for okay. the cesarean and uh, what the stages are. Okay. Well, um, so all of this is, is a continuum, meaning as soon as that mare is dropped and started hoisted, there's a group of individuals that are clipping and starting to prep her abdomen. Just on the chance that we're not able to deliver this through a control vaginal delivery now we're prepared to go right into right into c-section in addition to that we've got somebody keeping time so somebody's calling out time you've been working five minutes 10 minutes wherever wherever we wherever we are because we don't want to delay too long uh so if i'm not and sometimes that decision for c-section may be immediate if i feel you know if i've got you know, both forelimbs and a hind leg coming mm-hmm. or something of that nature. Or this is a transverse presentation. There's certain conditions where you know you are going to go to C-section immediately. So that call's made and she's on the on the table. Other times, we're going to attempt control vaginal delivery. And if things aren't going the way we would like, then, again, time's a factor. So if I'm, if I'm upwards of that 10 to 15-minute mark and, you know, this foal's alive and we're not making uh, appropriate progress, now we're going to get her on the surgery table. Well, we've already got her clipped and the, and the surgical prep started. So she'll be transferred from that induction stall to the surgery table. Once that happens, um, we'll continue the prep. Somebody's going to be getting the, the surgery room uh, open and uh, we're, we're scrubbing and getting ourselves ready, uh, ready, for the, uh, ready for the procedure. And I should back up and say, all of this, all of our instrumentation, everything is set 
at all times. So we're not having to gather the gear. It's already ready to go. So, uh, you know, we've got to be prepared. You can't be too prepared for these. And uh, I think that's, that's really critical. And, and that's, you know, I think one of, our, one of the reasons we have been very, very successful is the, the process that we use. Everybody's well-trained and everything's ready to, ready to go in a moment's notice. Yeah, there's a word you've used many times so far, and that's time. And that's the one yes. thing we don't have. And, uh, you know, like I alluded to, you can actually control what happens from the time the mayor arrives at the hospital till you make a decision and go through the process, but you can't um, control what's gone on before. And there was a great study um, out of Colorado State University by Pat McHugh and Ryan Ferris where they actually looked at this uh, group of folding mares. And after 40 minutes from the onset of stage two, which was when the mare breaks her water, mm-hmm. after that 40-minute period, the rate of illness for the foal and the rate of mortality to the foal really started to accelerate. So there's a lot of situations where we may be 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes behind by the time this mayor gets here. So for anybody listening, and if you've ever seen us, that's why we actually move pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. time is of the essence. And we are very fortunate in this area. Most of, most of our mayors are coming from close. Oh, yeah. And they're well attended. Farm, you know, the farms know what to watch for. They know when they need to send them. So they don't delay. And I think that, I mean, it's obviously, it's a team approach. Every, you know, everybody's on the same team here mm-hmm. wanting the same you know, positive outcome. And that, that helps us as well, getting those mares in as quickly as possible to give us the best chance at a, at a, at a healthy, viable foal. The mare's on the table. She's been draped. You know, yep. the, the prep had been finished. Everybody's standing around dressed, ready to go. <laughs> you have the scalpel in your yep. hand. What happens? What next? happens next? So, so we're going to make a make an incision along the uh, along the midline. So we're going to start just in front of her udder and go go toward her uh, go toward her sternum, and uh, so we'll make a you know long incision. Then we're going to uh, once we're through the body wall, then we'll exteriorize the uterus, and typically we'll we'll find the hind leg of the foal in the horn of uh, of the one of the horns of the uterus. We'll bring that up and out of the incision. Then we'll make an incision through the uh, through the uterine horn, and uh, um, and uh, now we'll we can uh, retrieve the retrieve the foal, and we're going to bring the foal through the through that incision. And uh, once we've done that, we'll clamp the uh, clamp the umbilical cord. We'll uh, we'll cut that, and then we'll transfer that foal uh, to you guys on the medicine uh, medicine team for uh, for resuscitation. So you mentioned about finding the back leg and the horn. So you actually will always want to go into the horn that has that back leg, and you'll yes. basically incise the uterus along that direction Correct. of that leg. Yeah, we'll okay. start it start toward the from the the tip of the horn yep. back down toward the to the base of the horn. Now there are situations where. The foal is no longer in the horn. It's in the body mm-hmm. of the uh, body of the uterus. Uh, those are quite a bit more difficult. You're not able to exteriorize those. So now we're going to have to open that uterus down in the abdominal cavity. So mm. we're going to have contamination of uterine fluid. Whatever fluid is in the uterus is going to get into the abdominal cavity, which is can certainly be problematic depending on the depending on the situation. How difficult is it to exteriorize that horn for say the mare's been trying to foal for a while? Is this relatively easy when the mare's anesthetized, or is there tone in that uterus that makes it difficult? No, there there certainly is certainly is tone, and if you've got a big heavy foal, and depending on the positioning, sometimes it can be difficult to uh, to get that get the uterus and the horn uh, you know, rolled into rolled into position to exteriorize through the uh, uh, through the incision. But okay, so the foal came out. You handed the foal off to somebody like me to worry about. 
you yeah. have this incision in this uterus. Right. How do we put it back together again? So, so the next step. Now we've got placenta that's attached uh, to the uh, uh, to the lining of the of the uterus. So we're going to need to. A lot of times that will 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 start to detach and strip away easily. If we can re, if we can remove that entire placenta at the time of surgery, I like to get it out of there mm-hmm. if at all possible. Sometimes that's not not feasible it's just too too well adhered to to remove at that time but we definitely have to strip it back from the incision this uh, this organ is extremely vascular so there's very large vessels there we've got a lot of hemorrhage so we're going to need to control that or obviously the mayor uh, could have a you know obviously a you know blood loss mm-hmm. uh, severe blood loss and a crisis in that uh, from that so we'll strip that uh, placenta back from the cut edge of the uterus then we'll take suture, and we're essentially going to whip stitch that cut edge of the uterus in order to compress those blood vessels, so that we can control and uh, and stop the uh, stop the uterine wall from from bleeding. Okay, and so once you've successfully gone around the edge and stopped mm-hmm. that. Um, how do you close the uterus? Yeah. Is it multiple layers? Is it one layer? Yeah. What do you do? So what I do is uh, is a double layer closure, two inverting uh, later layers. So we'll place our, our first layer, and that starts the 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 cut edge of the uterus to, to roll inward, and then we'll over sew that with a second layer. And once that fold is removed, this uterus automatically starts involuting, involuting. So it's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. It's actually quite amazing. You go from a uterus that's going to hold a 140 pound fold down to you know pretty small in uh, in short order yeah that's actually quite impressive how distensible the uterus is yes. like you palpate like a non-pregnant mare you can get your hands around it and then you put that fold in there and then it just goes back to approximately a normal yeah. size so quickly what about care of the rest of the mare's abdomen you mentioned sometimes depending where the foal's located there may be a little bit of a spillage in fluids which yeah. nobody can prevent right so how do you actually manage that mare's peritoneal cavity to yeah. ensure that she has the best chance of no problems so so once we've got the uh once we've got the uterus closed and we're happy with how that looks I'll go ahead and palpate and inspect the rest of the uterus, make sure we don't have any tears or any other uh, any damage that we were not aware of. Once that is all checked out, uh, A-OK, look for any hemorrhage in broad ligament, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Well, we'll go ahead and replace the uterus in the uh, back in the abdominal cavity. Then, then we'll do a full abdominal exploratory uh, on this mare. And that does a few things. One, we confirm that we don't have any, any previous or prior existing uh, problems associated with the GI tract. Could you have a, you know, a mesenteric rent or a defect mm-hmm. or an adhesion from something? Uh, we would want to know that. So we'll, we'll do a full abdominal exploratory, make sure the diaphragm's intact, no, no problems associated with the, the, the GI tract or anywhere in the peritoneal cavity. Once we've done that, then, we can, then we'll use sterile fluids to lavage and uh, suction to remove that fluid from the, uh, from the abdominal cavity. Once we've done that, we're satisfied everything's in good order, then we'll go ahead and close the, uh, close the body wall. So timing, how long from the time you cut till the foal comes out yeah. and how long from the time the foal comes out till you put yeah. that mare back yeah. together again? Well, the, uh, the, the, from the time of cutting to getting the foal out, it's just a couple of minutes. It's very fast. 
the rest of it slows down quite a bit. So uh, uh, you're probably looking at all told about two, two and a half hours of um, for the you know for the mayor from start to start to finish. But the foals out and uh, out in just a couple of minutes. Hey, yeah, I think people need to realize that too. Is that again, you go in there, you get that foal, take all steps, take all care, but putting that mare back together again is a very meticulous. Yes exacting yep. cannot be rushed process yeah. yeah exactly and for me i want to have that uterine horn i want that lined up perfectly uh so that so that we get absolutely the best healing that, that is uh, that's possible and that all starts with uh how you how you make your incision you know where, where you start where you end it and uh how you how you close it Yes, I've looked at you work a lot, and there's, there's a lot of thought going into putting that mare back together again. So now you've uh, closed your incision, she's off the table, she's wheeled to recovery. What happens then? Yeah, well, at that point, she's going to be in recovery for a bit. These, I mean, these mares are you know, pretty exhausted by that uh, by that point. Once she's uh, once she's standing, we'll get her back, uh, get her down to the stall, hopefully with a live foal down in ICU with you guys, and uh, typically have them on uh, antibiotics, anti-inflammatories, IV fluids. Uh, they're allowed to eat. Try to get them back normal as uh, as quickly as uh, quickly as possible. Yes, there's um, you know there's always two patients in the store, right? You've got you've right. got the mare getting over the surgery, and you've got the foal getting over whatever, and that foal needs to be fed. So. A lot of effort is expended in making sure this mare is as healthy as possible. Right. And it always surprises me how when these mares wake up, some of them, they're already calling for the foal. Yeah. It's sort of like a head of sleep, and then all of a sudden they yeah. immediately know yeah. something's missing. Where is it? How do they know? How do they know? Right. Yeah. So um, how many cesareans do you think you've done um, over the time you've been here? Oh, gosh. Um, for me, I probably do anywhere from... Some of them are, are scheduled. I mean, yep. they're planned, yep, planned. Uh, for, yep. for various reasons. Most of those mares are ones that have had cervical uh, injuries and had repair, and we don't want to run the risk of a future future injury. So they get elective C-sections. Between elective and uh, the uh, non-elective uh, C-sections, I probably do oh, 10 to 12 a year, uh, just me. Yeah, so, that's uh, quite a number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, they they add up. Do you remember your first one? Mm, I'd like to tell you I do, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating procedure to watch. It's something that's um, it's sort of a privilege to be part of. Oh, but yeah. it's sort of a fascinating it's, thing to watch as they actually just go through the motions. The mayor arrives and the decisions yeah. are made, and then and then the foal comes out, and we all hope for the best for everybody. Well, I think it's very impressive because we've got a. It's very well orchestrated, and uh, everybody knows what to do. And we've got everybody in place, and it flows so smooth. And uh, um, it's yeah, it's a, it's very impressive to sort of from the outside looking in. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just us either. It's sort of like the the support staff we have. Absolutely, and te the technical support just makes us look good every time. Right. No, it's it's everybody. It is a team approach. Everybody there has a job. Everybody knows what to do. And without them, it wouldn't it wouldn't go nearly as smoothly. So an uncomplicated cesarean. Uh, should the mayor come in, have the, have the foal delivered, goes to the ICU? If the foal is not an impediment to the mayor's mm -hmm. recovery, how long would she be staying in the hospital? Oh, they're probably going to be with us three to five days, somewhere in that ballpark if everything goes uh, goes smoothly. And what about aftercare for that mayor once she goes back to the farm? Well, once she's at home, um, yeah, they're going to be on a period of uh, some uh, restricted activity until the until the body wall heals. Generally speaking, you know they're going to be on restricted activity for about 30 days, and then they can 
get if the incision's healed appropriately and they're doing well, then they can get back uh, back into normal sort of normal turnout by that uh, by that point. And of course, the question is: I have one foal and I want another one. Mm-hmm. When can I breed that mare? Back? Yeah, well, a lot of that depends on how the how the mare is doing and how she's how she's healing. We certainly know, uh, looking at these mares retrospectively, that fertility in in the year of the C-section is not as high as it will be in subsequent years. Can you get a mare and foal the same year as a C-section? Sure, you can do that. Um, it's a bit of a challenge, though. It depends on the time of, you know, mm-hmm. time of the breeding season in, in which the C-section occurs. If we're fortunate and uh, you know, she's been a, a very early mare, then there's a shot at getting her, uh, getting her in foal uh, that, the, same, the same year, although the, the percentages aren't, certainly aren't in your favor. A mare that's previously had a cesarean, what would you tell the owner as far as her ability to safely deliver a foal in the future, unassisted? Yeah. I don't think, unless there was some um, physical reason, meaning the mare had a pelvic fracture and she's you know got some uh, anomaly associated with that, um, I, I don't think it will be a. I don't think she's destined to have C sections at every at every go. Yeah, it sort of surprises me just how well they can heal up right. and then turn around and go through all of that pressure mm-hmm. we talked about before and deliver right. that foal post-cesarean and uh, not just automatically have to have one every year. Right. And it's interesting. Some of these mares that have, uh, that we've done elective C-sections on for, for many, many years, you know, you can, you can see that you can see the old incision uh, right in the uterine, in the uterine horn. And most of those, I go back through the old scar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and uh, yeah, it's, it's very, very amazing in how those, how those heal and the, the lack of any adhesion formation uh, to those has always been very impressive to me. Yeah, that's actually quite surprising because horses like to form adhesions. Exactly. And to be able to go into those mares repeatedly and not have that problem, I think, says a lot about the care that's taken during the cesarean. Right. Well, any last words or advice for the owner of a mare who just got the phone call at three in the morning? She's getting a cesarean. Well, I, I pray for pray for a good pray for a good outcome, uh, and that's obviously if that's what needs to happen, then that's going to be the safest for her and the, her and the foal. Yeah, I think that's sage advice. So on stall side this week, we've been talking to Dr. Brett Woody. Uh, he's talked us through a cesarean in a mare that comes to the hospital for dystocia. See you next time. <laughs>